The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. A major fantasy player just went on the IL. We had some other big news, including another start and won't return until Thursday, plus a lot of closer chaos. That and a whole lot more on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. I am about to tweet out a link to it. So if you see me turning away and typing furiously, that's what I'm doing. Fred, what's going on? How are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, yep, yeah, I'll be ready to to share that uh, tweet as soon as you put it out. Um, my Blue Jays finally got back in the win column last night. It's been a rough stretch for them. A rough stretch that I kind of saw coming. But, but I think things will be better when they play the Reds this weekend. Yeah, uh, that's usually the cure for a lot of teams. So yep. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, they came around a little bit last night. You say uh, you only hear what you want to. Kikuchi uh, was pretty dominant. Again, three good starts in a row. Rob Silver's flying the Kikuchi flag all season long, and now his love is being justified. Let's start there. Pretty good uh, Pretty good outing for Kikuchi. Yeah, so I, I still have mixed feelings on him in the sense that um, – he's been fine like 338 era which in this environment's like it's fine so far um he started off the season not going deep into starts he's been going deeper into starts lately however the control hasn't been good like he's walked Mm -hmm. multiple batters in all but one start in he's walked three batters or more in five of his last six starts so he's basically walking about he's averaging three walks a game and he's not super deep in these games you know he's had a couple six inning starts some fives some less than that so the control issues concern me and i wonder if they're going to catch up with him at some point um yeah that being said the jays have done really well generally with their pitchers jose brios this season so far notwithstanding but generally the jays do pretty well with their pitchers so i feel like I, I wasn't expecting Kikuchi to roar out of the gate. I was expecting maybe the Jays to work with him during the season and him to eventually do well. So maybe that'll happen. But I do think he's, from an ERA perspective, pitched over his head a bit so far. Over his skills, at least, so far. Yeah. Eh, good opponent this week at going up against the Mariners. That helps. Mariners are really struggling to score runs. Mm-hmm. Joe Sheehan wrote them up in his newsletter yesterday, talking about both teams, being the Jays and the Mariners, being perceived disappointments, at least compared to early season expectations. The Jays were still 18 and 17 going into this series. So it's not like they were pulling a Reds or anything. Uh, but 
they 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 were below expectation too. I mean, they've already played nine games against the Yankees, and the Yankees are on fire. That's their that's schedule. Yes, yeah, so that's what I, their schedule has been like ridiculously difficult. I saw this coming a few weeks ago, where like they play they've played Houston twice um, already. They've played the Yankees, like you said, three times. They just finished a series with Tampa. Um, yeah, they've played a really really hard schedule, and this is going to even out. They haven't played Baltimore yet at all. So, for example, just looking at Kikuchi, um, so he's made seven starts. Three of them were against the Yankees. Um, I don't think the Yankees are like the scariest team ever or anything, but they're still, you know, above average scary. Yeah. Um, and two of his starts were against the Astros. Two of it, in fact, his two worst starts um, were against the Astros. So, and the Astros, I, I think of still as one of the better lineups in baseball. So, you know, maybe this is, he, he had a start in Boston there. Where he did pretty well. And he had a start last night against Seattle where he did quite well. So again, maybe he, like we talked, I, I was, more thinking about this problem with the Blue Jays in the sense of their hitters. Their hitters have been cold lately. That being said, they face some pretty good Rays are a good pitching staff. The Yankees are a good pitching staff. Houston has a good pitching staff. So faced a lot of good staffs lately. I do, but maybe that can impact someone like Kikuchi as well, because these teams are also really pretty, no one's great offensively so far, but comparatively they're pretty good. Yep. That's right. Um, so yeah. And, and that's the thing. That thing is they're just, and there's just another homer by the Astros, by the way. Sorry um, about that. You're, I know you're a Nate Eovaldi owner. I have him in one league, but uh, Astros are teeing off. Michael Brantley just hit the fourth home run of the game against uh, him. So it's now 7-1 Houston on that one there. Sorry, his shiny objects are distracting me today, but uh, especially because I have a lot of Astros bats in, in, in a lot of places. So I'm like, ooh, I like that. Ooh, I like that. Did Kyle Tucker hit at least one of those homers? He did. did. Okay, let's go. Yeah, that's right. I've got him. Hey, male, the male, male. Fir- uh, I just saw a thread on that on Twitter. Men like to say, let's go a lot of times. Uh, <laughs> there you go. You just uh, proved that, proved that point. Uh, no, I, I do have Brantley. I have Jordan Alvarez. I have Kyle Tucker in places. So yeah, it's been, I don't have any Jeremy Pena. That's the one guy I just missed out on completely. Mm-hmm. S- same here. None. And I have no Alvarez. I don't have any of the no speed like kind of second, third round type guys, Alvarez. I have no Aaron Judge, who's mm-hmm. obviously doing really well so far. Oh. Um, it just it just wasn't that wasn't the profile of player I was attacking in the first three or four rounds. So yeah, I have if if you're a like sub five steel player who was going in the first three rounds, I probably have zero shares. Are you going to change that next year? Are you going to open your mind to taking no, no speed guys early? Maybe uh, like I'll review it once the season ends and look at the data, uh, you know, when the season ends and like, for example, like, like we know steals are very valuable because they're very hard to come by. That being said, the steel standings I find are maybe less bunchy or at least no more bunchy than the home run standings. I find the home run standings are often fairly tight. So steals are more valuable and they're harder to come by at the same time. The steel standings do sometimes I find as the season goes along spread out and then you get a couple steals and you're like, Oh, thank God. Those are like gold. I got a couple steals, but then you look at your standings and you're like, Oh, I'm not within, I'm, you know, I'm not within three or four or five steals of anyone. So they didn't really get me anywhere. So plus they only affect one and a quarter categories. Like you'll get a little bit of boost in runs for guys that run more, Yeah, uh, but home runs check four different boxes, home runs, RBI runs and batting average, you know, that, they, they help everything. Exactly. And, and I do think the prioritizing of steals also is different in a main event 
where right where you feel the need to compete everywhere than just in a single league. Um, right, we talked I think last week about how my labor team was last in steals, but still doing pretty well overall. So yep. maybe I can get them over the hump by fixing the steals problem, or maybe I can actually just leave the steals problem alone and just try to you know gain the necessary points to get up to first over the season in other just categories. trade Whit Merrifield away for whatever else you need. Yeah, for a closer, that would be probably what else I need, and just punt steals at some point. So mm-hmm. that's certainly an option that I could consider. And, the, and there's probably someone tightly bunched in the middle who would be. Well, I need Whit Merrifield to hit a little better. He went to Colorado, which was great. That kind of cured him at least temporarily, and we'll see where things go from here. He's back in the leadoff spot. I saw he got on base a couple times this afternoon. He's coming around, but the Coors series help. But I kind of want to see him. If I was going to believe in him, I want to see him hit well outside of Coors. Sure, why he not? ain't going back there this year. Yeah. Um, well, that, that leads us to our uh, next topic, and uh, it's Royals related. Bad news: Sal Perez on the IL with a sprained thumb. He got pulled from the game. The first game of the doubleheader. The second game's going on right now. His bases loaded, no outs, and here comes Carlos Santana to pinch hit for him. I'm like. <laughs> Is Mike Matheny a super genius? No, it had to be an injury. Turns out it was an injury, and he's already on the IL. Now, that's also because they already have another game, so this is an opportunity to put another player on there. But this means MJ Melendez is going to play a lot more. Uh, Sebastian Rivera was called up, but Melendez, I mean, he's like easily the top man standing. It just means all of his playing time is going to be at catcher, not elsewhere. I almost, in a way, it kind of hurts Melendez, although he wasn't playing totally every day, but maybe you'll play a little bit more now because of that. Yeah. I, I think maybe long-term it probably helps him because, you know, it gives him just another run here to see what he can do. And his numbers so far have been fine. Not good. Not really bad, especially for a catcher, um, you know, batting average just under 220, uh, but his strike to walk rates fine. Like he, he's kind of holding his own, but that's about it. I, considering that he's a catcher, so so I think it's maybe good news for him, just that it gives him a little more time now to try to cement himself as a permanent part of that roster. So if you're someone who picked him up, I, I think you feel good about this extra opportunity. Um, you know, it's it just be a matter of what he can do with it, and maybe even defensively, it gives him more catching opportunities, more opportunities to handle a pitching staff that isn't great, and maybe show them, you know, that he's the guy to do that job because obviously the Royals are quite comfortable DHing. Perez a lot if uh, if Melendez is doing well behind the plate. So I think maybe it's good news for him overall. And I was looking at Perez. His batting average so far this year is really low. That being said, it's mostly just a BABIP drop from last year. And the power is obviously not what it was last year, but I don't think anyone expected that. He was kind of, the batting average was low. Everything else is kind of what we were expecting. He was on pace for, you know, in and around 30 home runs, which I think is was a reasonable expectation for him. Yep, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, you're not going to like this. Nate Evaldi just gave up another home What? Run. It is now nine to Get one. Get him out of this game. This is the se- top of the second inning. There are two outs. Uh, the home run. This was Yuli uh, Gurriel that just went yard tonight. Um, so, wow. I hope. Sorry. I think I know. I got to find out now. Where Where do I have Evaldi? I mean, that. That that's one of the worst thing feelings in the world. It's like, oh God, where do I have this guy? I uh, know. It is. It is the worst feeling. I have. I got, actually, I'm going to look up. I don't think I have him in our labor league. Thank goodness, because my pitching in that league is kind of carrying me. Um, yeah, I definitely have some shares. I only like, have him in one NFBC 50. Okay, I feel a little bit better about that. Okay. Uh, that's better, but wow. Wow. I mean, it's painful. They finally pulled him. One and two thirds, nine runs allowed, five homers. I don't know if there's any that are unearned. You got to just cross fingers, hope it's that. But uh, yeah, ouch. 
Um, uh, tough times there. Uh, Brian Mortimer had, I, I believe, has um, Sal Perez. He's asking a question, uh, catcher question for us. Cal Riley or Luis Torrens, two uh, Mariner catchers with Tom Murphy out right now. Who do you like better? <sighs> Neither. Um, I guess I'll go with. Uh, I guess I'll go with Torrens. I, I, yeah, I'll go with Torrens too. Follow up: Patrick Bailey or Joey Bart. I'm not a Joey Bart guy usually, but I guess I'll take Joey Bart. All the strikeouts there is the only problem. I know. But, I know. Um, Patrick Bailey. I mean, he, he was, he, he's just farther out. I, I, I don't really know the answer to that just yet. I mean, he's struggling so far in high a ball uh, for the giants. Patrick Bailey is, but uh, you know, I would, I would defer to James Anderson when it comes to catcher prospect questions. Uh but anyways, uh, just uh, or prospect questions, period. Uh, follow up on catchers, though. David asked a good question here. Some experts were going early catcher in an FBC. Do you think that narrative will go away? I don't think so. Um, I mean, Will Smith homer today. I'm not like, oh, Will Smith's amazing. But he's still pretty good. And have you looked at how bad catchers have been this year? I mean, oh. they've been really bad. Yeah. I mean, it, it stands to reason when the whole league is hitting worse, catchers who are already – you know, really bad. There's so mm-hmm. many of them hitting in the 100s or right around 200 right now. Right. Uh, I was looking at Gary Sanchez yesterday because I thought, hey, his batting average is suddenly not quite so much a drain as it usually is. And then I looked and he's not even really hitting for power. I think he had three home runs. So yeah. I was like, man, even if, if Sanchez was on his usual home run pace, but was hitting, you know, 213 or something like that this year, you'd be like, oh, okay, I can live with that. So I don't know. It's I think it's a fair question on the it catchers. Is. So Absolutely. far, so Perez was disappointing overall. Like he was hitting 203 and he was drafted in the third round of a lot of leagues. So that's disappointing. JT Realmuto has been a little bit disappointing so far. Not terrible, but a little disappointing. And Will Smith has been a little bit disappointing so far. Not terrible. The runs and RBIs are there. Yeah. Uh, the batting average is fine, but he only has two home runs. So he, he like, that's a little disappointing for people who took him in right rounds four or five. Some of how, early catchers go i think though the following year will depend on how well certain it's not as much of a theory of is are there catchers who are coming off a season that tantalizes fantasy managers right so right there needs to be a catcher in the like it was hard to turn your back on sal perez when you looked at it and you were like man i could get a catcher who hit 48 home runs last year like i gotta consider that in the third round even if i don't think he can repeat i've got to consider this this guy could lose 15 home runs and still be amazing. So yep. there has to be a catcher who's good enough this season where he screams, you know, to fantasy owners next year during draft season, like you have to consider me early. So I think it'll depend on whether someone like Real Muto or Smith picks it up to the point where they finish with really good numbers. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think that's right. Um, well, I'm looking at the earned auction values uh, on, on Rotowire right now yep. and by catcher. Can you name the most productive or most financial or, you know, according to our algorithm, the yeah. most valuable catcher so far? Hmm. No, nope. I, well, I don't have a good guess. I did. Oh, uh, no. I just did. I did an article about three weeks ago on Yahoo about the top 10 catchers at the time and how many of them were rostered in less than 20% of leagues. Cause so many of them were. So who is right. it? It's Tyler Stevenson. Right. 324. So that's why, I mean, if yep. batting average is just getting tanked across the board, 
Yeah, makes sense that, uh, you know, he, when he's hitting 324 with four homers, 19 RBI and 13 runs, he's only had 68 at bats, though. And then he got, he missed uh, some time where the weekend had a ball, you know, fouled a ball, a foul ball went off his mask, took him out for that game. He sat the next game. He had already missed a game, a, a, ser- a number of games with a concussion from that home plate collision. So Jeff Brantley, uh, the Reds TV uh, guy, uh, was a former Red pitcher, uh, was arguing in favor of pulling him out from behind the plate because he's too valuable. Uh, you know, get the, mm-hmm. you know, Craig Biggio treatment or whoever, other, whatever compares you want to make. And I can see it actually, um, especially with the Reds, because let's face it, who's he holding back? I mean, you can either put him at first, you can put uh, then and have Votto DH, you can put him at DH. There's spots, point being here. But uh, now that we know that a DH is a permanent thing, I, I think it's not a bad idea. So do you have that catcher list still up in front of you? Who are the I next do. A couple behind him? Yep. I'll give you a hint. Number two hit a grand slam yesterday. Batted leadoff for his team. Batted leadoff and hit a grand slam yesterday. See, now you're going to know that I wasn't up to date on my box scores from yesterday. And Go ahead. They, they, Wilson Contreras. Oh, yes. I remember that. Yes. Wilson Contreras. Yeah. So he's a pretty steady guy. What The reason I was asking is Stevenson. So I have an article coming out in two days on the luckiest hitters in baseball so far. And Stevenson might be the headliner for that. So just don't rain, ha- don't, don't rain on my Sorry. parade, man. <laughs> he has a 400 no, bad. I have one good catcher. thing going this year Two. No, I two. I, I have uh, three, even two Hunter green and three, the Overton window is still open. So uh, I got that going. I mean, he's pitching well again today up two to one in the bottom of the six right now against the, the guardians. Uh, Connor better Overton. than Nady Evaldi right now. So, um, yes, with Steve, with, the reason I ask is, is going back to the question we were asked is that, so Stevenson, his XBA right now is something like 235. Like it, it like it's, he's got a 400 BABIP. He's not a fast runner. His contact, his quality contact's fine. It's nothing special. Like mm-hmm. his batting average should be maybe not a hundred points lower, but many points lower. Contreras is kind of a steady Eddie. Who's having that kind of a season. Like the grand slam obviously would help yeah. him to jump up and catch your rankings pretty darn 22 fast. runs for Contreras though. Yeah, that's good. It, it's we'll see unless someone, unless Real Muto now that Perez is going to miss some time, like unless one, someone really gets going. If like, if the best season from a catcher this year is something like a typical Wilson Contreras season, 20 low twenties, home runs, you know, decent runs in RBIs, a batting average in the two sixties or something. Like there just there won't be any catchers drafted early next season because there won't be any who weren't being drafted early. Like I think Real Muto is the one guy. I guess Perez could come back from this injury and get really hot. That's the other one. But Real Muto, I think, is the one guy because he steals bases who could put together a stretch where all of a sudden, you know, when he finishes the year, he's got, you know, twenty homers and fifteen steals or something like that. And then he he stays in the year for the first five rounds. But but just I don't see someone like Stevenson's off to a nice start. If I believed that he could keep that going, he would be someone who maybe could get drafted really early next year. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. I, I yeah, and it's like we knew Stevenson was gonna be good. He was it's a top fine. ten catcher. Yep. You know, so and, and and to be to be fair, it's one dollar worth more than Contreras and Varsho. So and Varsho's got three stolen bases. Stevenson has one. That actually matters too. That clicks a little bit, yep. especially this early. And there's a big drop off after that. Yeah, Varsho's another guy. So lump him into that Real Muto group, like I said. It, and that was the reason people were going for him. You know, mm-hmm. he's got six homers and three steals. If if he could keep this going, if he could finish the season with 20-something homers and 15 steals, I could see people 
you know, drafting him to, in an effort to get steals and catcher locked up him going pretty early next year. Cause this is people were dreaming on that this year and he was going inside the top about 90 picks. Like I thought he, he often went in about the eighties for picks. So if he actually does it, then I could see him going in the whatever fifties or something like that next year. Yep. I think that's right. Um, I, it is telling that of the top 10 catchers, all like the, the, you know, may not, you know, Real Muto and Will Smith and Sal Perez weren't killing it, but they're still top 10 positive value catchers so far. Yeah. Um, not by a lot. I mean, it drops off pretty quickly. There's Jonah Himes fourth at $7, Travis Darno at six, Will Smith and Sal Perez at five, Real Muto, Sean Murphy at four. And there is no other zero. Everything else is zero or worse with catchers. So it drops off in a hurry. And some of the, you know, you know, so the thing is all your like mid-tier catchers, that's where the big loss was. It feels like to me, like the, you know, that that's where we're really, uh, uh, you know, Kybert, Ruiz, you know, Foxborough was asking about Kybert Ruiz and he's close. He's, he's at, uh, he only has 10 runs and 10, 10 at, and 10, and 10 RBI despite 104 at bats. So it's just because Washington is so darn bad. He only has one homer also, so you can blame yep. him a little bit too. But he's not killing you. He's fine, you, you know. He, and he's got the you know he's got the upside potential to move. You know, a couple homers and all of a sudden he's like fifth. You know, that's the thing. That's how it's it's early enough that it could change. I don't know. I just think it's interesting to t- take a look at that every once in a while. Yeah, and the bottom of the catcher pool, as you mentioned earlier, has been so bad. That'll yep. be the other part of draft strategy. I think next year that will be interesting. First is like. Are you going to take someone like Real Muto, Varsho, Sal Perez, or whatever in the first four rounds? The other question will be, how do you attack just the mid-tier of catchers when they weren't very good this year? But you like, are you willing to go to that bottom tier of catchers? Is that is that the play? Just wait and just take whoever because they're so bad anyways, or uh, you know, or do you feel like you need to lock someone in so you don't end up scraping the bottom of the barrel? We'll see about we'll see how how it all plays out this year. One more catcher question. Uh, you know, who knew this was going to be catcher cast, but that's okay. Uh, Fred, I have Kirk on several teams, David says. With Jansen back, what's Kirk's usage? I think Kirk's usage will be fine, but not great. Like, I think he missed a window here to really mm-hmm. hit well. And again, maybe the hard schedule kind of slowed him down. What's interesting about Kirk, he'll, he's, I think I'm pretty confident he's going to give you a decent batting average. Um, he's hitting 263, which in this environment for a catcher is really good. He's 11 to 11 strikeout to walk. So like that, and that's pretty much what he's been, was like last year too. There's just no power there. Like last year he did hit eight home runs so far this year. He only has one. Um, I just don't know if he can hit, has enough power to be that impactful for fantasy. And I think Jansen quietly, the end of last year was really good. And then the very, very little he's played this year so far was good. Um, yeah. They like the way he catches them. I think they like the way he catches the pitching staff the most. They not they have a problem with Kirk, but they like Jansen the most. Um, I think Jansen goes back in playing two out of three. Kirk plays one out of three, and then Kirk probably fits in a DH game, you know, in there somewhere. So maybe he gets four starts a week. That's kind of what I'm feeling from him. And I'm just without unless he starts hitting for more power. Uh, maybe he needs the other. Maybe he needs a better baseball. I don't know, but because he's not a big power guy. That that's got to be the next step for him because his, his plate control is really good. Yep, uh, agreed, agreed. A uh, couple more ca- catchers to bring up. I actually sure. was bidding on a couple this week: William Contreras on the Braves, yep. and uh, Christian Bethencourt on the A's. Contreras has already gotten four homers since getting the call, 
and he's playing some at first base. And there, I was watching the Braves game on Saturday. And they said he might even get some reps in the outfield here and there. Point is, they want to get his bat in the lineup, even though they only have two catchers. You know, I've seen a lot of teams put a catcher at DH and then have their other, you know, so they have both catchers in the lineup, risking losing the DH at points. And we've seen that actually. A couple of pitchers have had to hit or have been pinch hit for and things like of that nature. But, um, you know, I, and, you know, that, that is one of the downsides to a catcher. You know, we always thought, okay, Will Smith's going to get some at bats this way. That really hasn't materialized like we had hoped. Uh, and a couple other NL catchers that has happened with Tyler Stevenson. It does, though, either require you to carry three catchers or be, you know, have to have that extra bat available there because otherwise you could lose your DH. For sure. So I, so I mean, at that point, I think the carrying three catchers is is the way. Yeah, that I being do said, too. But but you need, but you need a catcher who you feel like you want in the lineup. Contreras mm-hmm. so far has been one of those players. You look at his stats from even from last year because last year he played I think maybe more than some people realize. He had 185 plate appearances and he hit eight home runs. Like there is some pop there in his career. Now he's got 12 in a little over 200 plate appearances. Uh, so there is some pop there. And with catcher being so barren, you know it depends on obviously who you dropped. For example, I had James McCann in our labor league. He's out for several yeah. weeks now. Um, he wasn't doing anything good anyways. I ended up dropping, I didn't drop my IL them for, and I picked up Jonah Heim. Um, Who's been awesome. Probably, Contreras and Bethancourt probably would have been the, were, well, they were the next two on my my interest list uh, as far as replacements go. So yeah, Bethancourt is interesting too, because again, there's just so many ways to get in the A's lineup that if he's hitting decent, they can find a way to put him in. And maybe yep. the odd steal, that helps. Exactly. Exactly right. Um, another big item, Bryce Harper going to be out of the lineup, maybe at least until Thursday now, they're saying. Bryce Harper, again, using our earned auction tool, is the most valuable player in baseball so far this season. Wow. Hitting 305, nine homers, six stolen bases, 27 RBI, 29 runs. He's checking every box. Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe, we, I don't know, I feel like Bryce Harper – I don't think he's underrated in fantasy or underrated in baseball, but I think he's just kind of, people have just gotten used to him Mm -hmm. and yeah, I I can't, I can't say he's under, maybe I can't say he's underrated, but I feel like he's not discussed for how good he is. I feel like he's not discussed. Like he, he, I know he won an MVP last year. I don't know. I just don't, I I never hear him discussed when, when they say the best players in baseball. You just know, the MVP last year. And you know, that's good. The biggest free agent a couple of years ago. Yeah, I don't know. When I hear people talk best players in baseball, obviously Trout, and then I, you know, I hear people talk about Tatis before he was hurt, and Acuna, and things like that. I don't know. I just feel like Bryce Harper. We've just accepted that he's he's awesome. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, this is he's right around in a thousand OPS, which in this hitting environment is amazing. He was over in a thousand OPS last year. In the shortened season, he was over nine fifty. Um, he's become more consistent than he was a few years ago. That's right. That's yeah. right. And that's, uh, you know, it, it, he, he's no longer controversial at all. I would say right. that's, I think that's, that's the big takeaway there. Uh, yeah. There was that, Oh, is he clutch? You know, I had, you know, I get that. Yeah. You know, maybe that'll come up because the Phillies haven't done anything yet, but yeah. it, it's certainly not because of him. I think that we can put that to rest. Like two years ago when he struggled in his first year, everyone was a little concerned about that, but I, I don't think that's the case now. Uh so, but anyways, bad, bad break. If you don't, you know, for like NFBC, I thought, okay, maybe you won't play Tuesday and then he'd be back today. 
uh, or may, wouldn't play, you know, wouldn't play, or maybe wouldn't play today, but then would be back the next day. Well, it looks like it won't be till Thursday, at least at the earliest. So bad news there. Um, Is there any actionable move you would make with him? Like, would you try no. to trade for him and just test out his owner and see if they're panicked? Would you, if you had yeah. him, would you try to trade him away while he's still ranked number one in fantasy? Like as soon as he gets back for two or three games, would you try to trade him away just so you're not potentially dealing with this nagging injury the rest of the season? I mean, Unless you're just getting a mint for him, I just can't see it. You know, I think right. that's the tough part is, yeah, you're afraid of like, if the Phillies falter, then maybe they'll shut him down. Or, or if this PRP doesn't work, mm-hmm. then that might be an issue there too. I I don't know. I mean, I think yeah, I, I would try to trade for him while bringing that up and saying, hey, I got to I'm trailing. I need to take a chance. Yeah. You know, let me go after your best player and I'll give you all. But what are you going to give up? That's buying low. I mean, come on. You, the Bryce Harper manager isn't going to give them cheap. Oh, no, absolutely not. Um, th- I always think of all these different, you know, kind of creative type scenarios. Like, like, would you trade Trey Turner for him right now? Um, He's not hurt and he'll probably steal more bases. Homered today. He probably. doesn't have more steals actually right now, but he probably will. No. By the end of the yeah. Year. I was just going to say he, he's not, you know, I have him in Yahoo friends and family and that team. He's, he's kind of, he's faltering right now. He's been fine. He's, he's been fine. He's a little overwhelming, but we're talking about the consensus number one overall pick. Would I take Trey Turner for Harper? If I had Harper that I'd, that I'd have to think about. I think that's the question. If you had Harper, would you take Trey Turner for him? Yeah. Yeah, That's the question. And I think it's the problem is like you said, is you're, you're not guaranteed to lose that much in stolen bases right now. And, you know, Harper's better at everything else. Maybe not batting average, but, you know, uh, I, I, I probably would. I probably would accept Turner for him only okay. because he doesn't have a present injury. I mean, it's a it's a partially torn yeah. UCL. UCL. Yeah. I mean, there's a non-zero chance he gets shut down. Now, we said the same thing about Tatis last year, and he didn't, although he missed a lot of time. He didn't get shut down. Uh, with that shoulder you know we we remember how much we talked last year about how he may need surgery at some point yeah well he still may need surgery at some point it hasn't happened yet yeah harper just this may be a chance you need to take to win your league but if someone offered you trey turner they're offering you a way to get out of that chance bobachette would you take bobachette for him he's been a little underwhelming so far but not no i I prefer harper the rest of the way you take harper the rest of the way yeah because i think bachette was drafted before harper in every league i agree almost every league yeah. yeah. And, and he's not hurt. And, you know, and he, and like I say, Bichette's been bad, not like completely horrendous, not like Marcus Simeon bad or something like that, but, um, but he's been underwhelming. My, my argument there is that he has less of a track record than Har- Harper yeah, and, sure. and of Turner for that matter. And Turner also has multi-position eligibility. I, I, I would prefer Harper at this point. I know that might be crazy, but I, I do, I, you know, I might be just, front running and mm-hmm. so be it if I am, but you know, I, I think there might be something to the notion that, you know, there's more, maybe a, a book out on, you know, there might be a little bit of a book out on uh Bichette and he's going to have to make some adjustments. I'll do one more. And then Vlad Guerrero. I would prefer those guys were interchangeably. Gonna, I would prefer, uh, I pr- I'd prefer Harper because of the speed. How about you? 
Um, if I could live without the speed, I think I'd take Vlad and just not have to deal with the potentially injury risk of Harper. Just, I think, I know Vlad's again, he's off to a f- fine start, but like, he's been worse than Harper. I think I would take Vlad. Um, Bichette, um, no, I think, I guess I'll, I think I'll stick with Harper and I would okay. take Trey Turner. Okay. I'm Fair trying enough. not to get too wrapped up in the small sample sizes mm-hmm. of, of the season so far, but, but what Harper's doing is great. And like I said, like what Harper's doing is just basically what Harper did last year and the year before. So it's not, it's not really surprising, but, but the injury risk is, is definitely like has, I think it has to play into it. I'd agree with that. Yeah. I'd agree. I mean, maybe I I might take Vlad for him. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I, one, I, I, the two places I have, uh, there's two places where I have Harper, one of which I also have Vlad and it's an OBP league and I'm, there's no way I'm trading that away because mm-hmm. it's an OBP league. And the other league is the NFPC main event where there are no trades. So perfect. I'm just, just going to ride it out and hope for the best. I don't know. Really uh, interesting thing. But one though. thing before we leave Harper is that when you talk about OBP league, his walk rate this year is way down. So just unusual for him. His walk rates usually sky high this year, his walk rates down. Um, so he's just, maybe he's, he's going after it a little bit more. He's putting more balls in play than usual. Yeah, and maybe also there's Nick Castellanos, there's Reese Hoskins, there's yeah. Kyle Schwarber on the team. I, it's not that he's getting protected per se. It's just that they don't want to put just put him on because someone can hurt him behind him. You know, yeah. so they don't maybe they don't pitch around him as much and they try to try to just get him out. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, that's quite possible. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, another news. A quick. We're going to do a, share a quick note from our sponsors on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back. Thanks for those of you that are streaming with us and dealt with the five-second pause. We appreciate you, too. A couple other big items. Uh, Ronald Acuna back in action tonight. Uh, Missed about four games with a groin injury. Didn't play yesterday. People had to make that tough decision. Okay, are you going to start him for the week or not? Hopefully you did because he's back in there. Yeah, and good news. Well, he's he's been another really lucky guy so far. I was going to say good news overall is that um, you know since he's been back, he's hit pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. He has he has a four fifty battle. He's been pretty pretty lucky overall as far as that goes. Yeah, it's but five, I think we doubt that he's good. Uh, no, so. <laughs> no. So I, it, actually, what's great is I don't doubt that he's good. If he gets a little Babbitt luck while he's shaking the rust off then that's great. His strikeout rate's higher so far. But, I mean, expecting him to be a little rusty when he came back is fine. I think the most important thing you've seen from Acuna is the five steals and five for five yep. stolen base attempts so far. So that was the big – I know the, the two concerns were, you know, how many games is he going to play, but also, you know, are you going to end the season with a lot of steals or, like, five? Is he just gonna, not gonna, is he just not going to steal bases? Right. Well, he gets back to 100%. Well, he's clearly going to steal bases. So, you know, um, yeah, it's good that he's back in the lineup. And uh, I do think these little problems, like striking out a little bit too much, I think those will all get ironed out as he gets a little more time back in the lineup. Yeah, that's right. Um, he did get the one hit for the Braves so far leading off the game today. Okay. Uh, uh, Jake Rizzi's. I don't know if you saw last night, he collapsed trying to go running over to first. Mm-hmm. Uh, lower leg discomfort is what they're calling. They've already put him on the IL. Uh, they were dealing with a six-man rotation, so... Christian Javier is the guy that gets obvious job security. Now, do they bring anybody else to do a six, a six man after that? I don't know. Uh, someday, theoretically, they're also going to get Lance McCullers back. So they actually have seven guys for five and a half spots. Uh, we'll see how long Oda Rizzi's out. That did not look like a short-term thing for me. And keep in mind now it's 15 days for pitchers starting this month. Yes, exactly. Um, a couple things on that injury front. So first of all, Odorizzi, uh, easy drop in all NFBC leagues, despite the fact that he's pitched well so far. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think, like, would you say, like, yeah. unless we find out that he's just going to miss the minimum, that, uh, like, unless we surprisingly find that out this week, that you would drop him? I think I would drop him just because you can always pick him back up. Mm-hmm. It's not like it, the drop is forever. Mm-hmm. Uh you, yeah, maybe you have to pay for it, but if you, I, I always believe in, I, I'm trying to make a point of like guys that were drafting the, the 20th round, just keep rotating them anyhow, uh, 20, 20 plus rounds. And if you're going to be without them for a couple of weeks, there's the opportunity cost of not picking somebody else up during that stretch. And I feel like, you know, maybe that, maybe you don't even need that person you're picking up right now, but Maybe that person, that player becomes someone that it becomes a, a regular guy that uh, you get on, a, you know, that you're going to use full time. And if you are holding on to Odorizzi, I heard Odorizzi during that, you missed out on that chance to pick him up, especially if it's a close possible closer. I think that's what I would do if I need it. I think I would almost certainly try to find some sort of speculative play. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, if the skills looked better behind the 313 ERA, right. I might hold him until we figured out how long he's out. But he's got a 21 to 12 strikeout to walk ratio. It's not very good. Um, you know, he's been successful because he's only allowed one home run so far. That's a huge part of it with him. So so far the season, I just I, I, I was I was actually on board, especially because starting pitching is just going so well overall to, with picking him with people who picked him up. 
but I wouldn't hold him through this. And this might give Christian Javier, who's really stunk last time out, which is unusual for him, but this may give him the really long runway he needs. Like th- he's had some yeah. starts recently, but then he went start, start, then a three inning relief appearance, then, then, uh, then a start that was a disaster. Maybe this could give him an opportunity to just like make like six, seven starts in a row. Yep, and you that's know, right. try to throw five plus innings in all of them and really show what he can do. Cause I, I really like him. I have very few shares this year because I was worried about his role, but yep. I really like him. I, I feel the same way. Uh, Forrest Whitley has mentioned Forrest Whitley is still recovering from TGS. Uh, he's supposed to return some point in June. So he was not among the guys that was among, uh, you know, was on, on the decision tree to be called up uh, at all there. So well, we'll see uh, when he makes his progress. We'll do that. Uh, Couple of other bad news items here. Brandon Lau went on, you know, surprise Monday IL trip. The stress reaction is lower back. I had heard maybe I don't have him anywhere, so I didn't really hear much about him, but he's going to be out for a while. He said no baseball activities for at least three weeks. So that's pretty bad. Uh, and back injuries are like those, those sometimes can wipe out a season, like just, yeah. just linger. I mean, even when you're back. So I'm not saying that'll happen to him, but I, we've seen that where guys return. Right. They just can't get all their power. Um, yeah, he's another guy who's been disappointing so far this year, and it's just all the things. Powers down a little. Powers down like significantly, not to nothing, but significantly. Batting average and bats are <laughs> down. Um, you know, he's someone who I would have expected to come around uh, if he was still in the lineup. But this is a big. So, would you drop him in any NFBC leagues? I think I have to hold him for now. Yeah, I'd hold him for now, but yeah, I I'd have to have a real injury problem on my roster to consider dropping him. Agreed. Yeah, I I would redouble my efforts to pick up Vidal Bruhan if he's still available. Yeah, because now there's two spots for him to play. Uh, remember, they already had put on uh had uh had uh you know Bruhan was already getting extra time because Manny Margot was on the IL, so that's two spots now where mm-hmm. Bruhan has a chance to play. That's enough for me to kind of redouble my efforts to go get him a little bit there because. You're talking about this is a 20 stolen base guy if 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 given the playing time. Now, granted, he's got to start hitting uh, before that actually c- kicks in. But still, I think that this is something you want to watch for a little bit there. Uh, finally, Clayton Kershaw was sp- scheduled to have a, a bullpen session tomorrow. That's not going to happen. Uh, he f- experienced discomfort. Uh, f- recently had an epidural for his SI joint uh, inflammation. That is a joint that is in your hip. Uh, it's his lead hip. He's a left-handed thrower. The right hip is the one he's feeling that in. Uh, they were hoping they would clear out the inflammation, and now he's still got soreness there. It's taking longer to yield the desired effect is the phrase that I saw. So uh, we're not going to get him back that quickly. No, and I mean, injuries were part of the package for those who drafted Kershaw. Right. You know, this is a different one, but uh, this is you know kind of where we're at with him. He hasn't made 30 starts since 2015. You knew there would be some injury time built in. Hopefully it's not too, too long. But I think we talked about, you know, when we projected his innings for this year, he threw 121 and two thirds last year that we were expecting something similar this year. You could still get that. He could still, he could miss, miss. Hopefully this doesn't end up being a really long time, but he could miss three or four weeks with this and you could still get your 120 or so innings from him. And if they're good innings, like what he had done so far, he'd been 32 to three strikeout to walk so far. That's, really impressive if he can come back and pitch really well then i still think you could get most of what you expected from him yeah i think you're right about that yeah um the home runs keep flying at fenway don't worry it's not a it's jose arquiti gave up this one uh jose, jd martinez just went deep okay 
I do have Urquidy in one one of my two main events, and he better go five after getting nine runs of support. If he doesn't get those five innings, those are just the worst. Uh, I'm going to be – I'm feeling this coming. I feel like a four and a third, six runs allowed sort of outing coming here. I just feel it. It's not going to be good. Yeah, he's another guy. He So he, he – I, I can't remember if I put him in or not but he was on the fringe of getting put in for starters who have been really fortunate so far this year. His strikeout mm-hmm. rate's down uh, a fair amount. The control skills are still there, but the strikeout rate's been down so far this year. Uh, yep. So he's someone who I'm like mild, not super concerned about, but my, I am mildly concerned about him. Yeah, I am too. Um, are you mo- more than mildly or more than mildly concerned about Noah Syndergaard after yesterday's disaster start? I was never in on Noah Syndergaard. Um, yeah. I kind of have strong opinions on him that he's not actually very that good. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but so I wasn't really that in on him. But the, you know, no, yesterday's start was a disaster. I actually, I think if I had Syndergaard in some leagues, his ratios are still decent. They were really good going into that start. Maybe we, I think you can just shake this one off. Like, like Lucas Giolito had that famous one last year. Guys have these, these happen. Nadia Valdi just had one. So um, this is just a start where nothing went right for him. It seems like, you know, unless we hear about something, like unless he ends up on the IL in a day or two, hopefully this is just a really bad start. Like I said, I wasn't in on Syndergaard at all during draft season. So I, so I haven't, you know, this didn't, didn't, uh, you know, impact me at all, but I, I just feel like with him, he's typically not a low whip guy that kind of bothers me. Um, I don't know. He just struggles most, most seasons. He kind of struggles. I feel like to put everything together. Yeah. I'd say that's I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't think I have any Thor either. So I was a dispassionate observer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, funny thing is despite that outing, he's got a 360 ERA and a 123 whip. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so if you draft it, sorry, go ahead. That just shows how well he's been running so far. And two of those mm-hmm. runs yesterday were unearned too. That also, you know, the, the unearned run is the, the, you know, prevent is kind of sometimes a fraud, but I don't think in this case it wasn't, but just saying it can, ha- it can be that sometimes. Yes. And um, yeah. So if, if you drafted where, where he was going in draft, if you drafted Thor, like you would have taken this six starts in three wins, three sixty mm-hmm. RA one twenty three whip. You'd take that. It just didn't come in the fashion that you expected. Uh, one of my bigger criticisms for him with owning him too lately is his strikeout rates aren't what they were supposed to be. They aren't what they were his first two seasons in the majors. Like we thought he was going to be a special strikeout pitcher. And then he was basically like a nine K per nine through his time with the Mets, but nine K per nine wasn't really special near the end of that. Like we're starting, that was kind of just normal for someone who could be on a mixed league fantasy team. And then this Mm -hmm. year it's down. Like he's got 22 strikeouts in 30 innings. So his strikeout rates way down. Uh, that's kind of my concern with him. He's not a whip. He's not a whip helper usually. And his strikeout rates aren't special. So now you're just hoping and he's not durable. So we'll see how he is this year coming off like all the missed time and every, and you know, surgery. But I just, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot more red flags with him usually than his draft position indicates. And I know he wasn't drafted really high this year, but it was still too high for me. Yep. Yep. I hear you on that. Are you worried about Tyler O'Neill? Sat two games over the weekend. He's on a major K run. Uh, just really struggling. Uh, I, I just saw a tweet come by uh, saying that the Mets just intentionally want Corey Dickerson to face O'Neill, which oh. with the right, you know, you know, granted it was with a right-handed pitcher. So, you know, obviously, you know, you yeah. get the, and it was, I think at four, it's two outs. 
forcing a, uh, a force play, but still, I mean, that's that that speaks volumes about how bad O'Neill's slumping. He is, and you said, "Am I worried about him?" I think I am because I think the Cardinals are worried about him. I think that's part of it, right? Like them sending yep. him out. I guess they're just trying to help their player to clear his head, maybe. But I think they're worried about him. They don't have a lot of alternatives. Like they've already dipped into their minor league system with Yepes to help fill out their batting lineup. So I think O'Neill's going to get more opportunities. He's one of those guys who has this really intriguing power speed mix where he can, when you do, as you know from doing projections, when you do projections, he can shoot up it really fast because you start adding in home runs and adding in steals and he shoots up really fast. But I mean, going into last season, he was drafted very late in mixed yep. leagues last year. He kind of, he didn't come out of nowhere. He was someone that people, were intrigued by, but like nobody was counting on him last year. I think even in my NL tout last year, he went for like six or $7 and that's in an NL only league. So he, he was not a coveted player at all last year. He's, he's always kind of been a high BABIP guy and he was last year. This year he's been a low BABIP guy. That's, you know, hurting his batting average a ton. Um, I don't know. I, I, he's someone I would consider. I, he actually is someone I would consider buying low on because when I look at the skills, I don't think they're that much different than last season. So if the person who owned him wanted to get out now, I think I would consider it. I want a discount, but I think I consider it. Right. Like first, like I would you like you basically, I think you're looking at like maybe a 10th round player, not a fourth round player. That's basically kind of like the discount I'd be looking for Tyler O'Neill. I might need it to be bigger than that just because yeah. he's really slumping. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking of names and yeah, I tenth round. I might need it to be a little bigger than that, which means maybe means I wouldn't be the person to get yeah. him. Um, if I had O'Neill though, I would also. It depends on the makeup of my team. If I had O'Neill and I had a team that was otherwise going well, I would consider selling a bit low on him, like mm-hmm. for a tenth round type price. If my team was struggling and I was like, well, you know what, I might as well just sink or swim with this guy because once if he does get hot, you know, he can really power my team i think i'd hold on to him but if my, if my team was slumping i'd consider it so my team is slumping yahoo friends and family and that's where i do have him okay uh but so i don't know if i i, I think i'm just gonna write it out i but... feel like in your situation i would write it out if my team was yeah. otherwise good and i was like this guy is like really holding us back an otherwise really good team then i would consider maybe taking someone who's more of a 10th round player but but is actually performing well this year yeah I think that's right. Let's talk a little uh, free agents, uh, guys that snubbed you, even though well, you snubbed yourself. Uh, George Kirby, you had him. You had him. <sighs> You're close to getting him. And then you just said, I'm going to just cut that down. I'm going to try to save some money. You, your goal is to always finish second place in uh, fab bidding. Mission accomplished, huh? Yeah, this is one of those few times where I wish I had finished first place because in the one in one league where I really wanted him, I have a team that has a lot of pitching points, or sorry, a lot of hitting points, very few pitching points. I did, I think, the cardinal sin. Everyone listening can learn from this, I hope. Learn from my mistakes. Okay. Don't lower your fab bids like near like near the deadline. That's what I did. I had a bid in of, I forget, 280 something. And it was 282. I just I just, I don't know, 15 minutes before the fab deadline, I was like, oh, maybe that's a little rich. You know, he had the only one strikeout last time. Maybe I want to, anyways, I lowered it $20. I missed out by 15. I should have left it. Mm. I think that's my, I think I'm going to make this a rule for myself. If I want to go in in 15 minutes. If you want the player, especially. 
I know. And he would have been a good fit for that team. So I think, yeah, I don't know. I got cheap. I got cheap. And I'm going to try to learn from the mistake. I think I'm going to try to set a rule for myself that if I want to go in 15 minutes before and raise my bid, because I've just decided I really want this player, I can throw 20 more dollars at him than sure. But I think I'm going to try to stop myself from going in at the end and lowering my bid. Do you think that's a good rule? Yeah, I think you should definitely. I think that happens all the time. I think in fantasy football, the equivalent is SWAT. You know, you put all the decision, you know, thought into your decision earlier in the week, and then you get that right mm-hmm. 10 minutes before kickoff. Yes. Oh, maybe the wind's blowing this way or, you know, so, you know yes. so whatever reason that you have. Don't do that. Don't do that thing. Um, I know. I, I know. I know. This is what I'm going to learn from. Like I said, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm, I'm going to. I think, especially if it's someone, like you said, if it's someone you really want. If it's someone who you just decided, you, you know, you don't really want them, that's fine. But I, I did want Kirby. I just got cheap at the end. I'm going to try to learn from that. That was a real. That's my most frustrating. So far this year, that's my most frustrating fab experience. And you didn't get Kirby anywhere else, right? Nowhere else. So, so you're so, clearly rooting against him. I don't want to root against him, except now every don't lie. Every time he pitches well, I'm going to remember that that momentary lapse in judgment where I took the twenty dollars off that bid. I'm going to, and even when I took it off, I even thought to myself, "Hey, this is not even going to matter. It's not even going to matter." You know, I actually thought he would go for way more than he did. I, like I said, I think I went from 282 to 262. I thought he would go for well over 300. There was a lot of fab money left in this particular league. And I thought he would go for 350. So I was like, oh, it doesn't matter anyways. And then you're going to say, well, Fred, if it didn't matter anyways, why didn't you just leave the 282? I don't know. That was a, that's, that's, that one's going to sting. Have you had one that was that frustrating so far this year? Um... Just, just where you lost out on someone you really wanted. You know, barely. Yeah, no, not really. I haven't gone to the. the I mean, I did get in, in TGFBI. I actually did get Kirby, but that was the, the other. I mean, even then, I thought, okay, I was a little more aggressive there. I went three thirteen on him. Mm-hmm. Other leagues, it was more keep him honest bids. Yeah. Uh, so, no, not really. I have, I you know, I have ones that are like, oh, I should have bid more. I should have been not, but I didn't go to the wall for him either, though. You know, it wasn't like. Yeah, so I maybe I regret not being all in on Tyler. Like for instance, on Taylor Ward, uh, I wasn't all in on him. I was kind of in on him, but mm-hmm. not all in on him. It's not like I knew. I just been you know. I, I think in the past I feel like I've been burned by bidding too much. Um, so I get that notion. Yeah, and I, I get I get trying to do the Zinky method of trying to have that second place bid and ha- hoping it wins, uh, but. No, I, I felt like this has been a weird, I don't, I, I'll, I'll be honest though. I haven't really felt, uh, I, I haven't felt like I've been completely on my fab game this year. Okay. Um, I, part of it is I'm not sure if that it's, if, if it's because I, I'm not sure if I'm all in on some of these players. Uh, I haven't mm-hmm. felt like, Oh, this is like George Kirby is a good pro- pitching prospect. Yep. Is he the second coming of Steven Strasburg? I don't think so. I think he's a good pitcher you know, and probably stable the rest of the year, probably. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like it's the, oh, we couldn't wait for this guy to arrive. Like he he's this ob- obvious right. can't miss prospect. I don't feel that. You just said everything that went through my head at 15 minutes before the fab deadline. When I took $1 <laughs> off. So I, in that particular league, also everything I, 
not everything I try to do. I grabbed a couple middle relievers that I kind of wanted for this week, and that's fine. But it's not special. But I also had a whole bunch of cheap streaming hitters that I was hoping to just to grab one of. There was, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Daza from the Rockies and Iglesias from the Rockies had it at home all week. And Rafael Ortega, I thought, had a really good schedule for the week. I know Vlad Sedler said afterwards that he bid on Ortega in some leagues. And there were some of the Diamondbacks guys because they have eight games this week. And I put in just like cheap little like $3 bids on all of them, and I didn't get any of them. And that was, I, I thought to myself, you know, I just want one of these guys to stream this week. Someone with a favorable matchup to throw my last hitting spot. And I didn't get any of them. So in that. We did the same thing. And one of our, and one of our mains, Tim and I did the same thing. And so we only picked up one player. It was a pitcher. Yeah. We need, and it, that's the league where I have Willie Adamas and Bryce Harper and both yeah. went against our way in terms of like having an active hitter, you know, just, I'm going to miss out on a run or two. Yep. That, that that's probably going to come back to haunt us at some point. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, uh, the Kirby decision also, and this is a big, bigger discussion. And I think each person has to figure out this one is I was trying to decide to, am I, am I too often spending $30 on guys I can get for $5 or spending, you know, $15 on guys I can get for $2. And did that sap my budget to the point where then I got a little cheaper on Kirby? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if I had another $100 in my budget, maybe I would just would have thrown another $50 on him or something like that. I don't know. These are things These are things that I'm continuing. How long have we been playing fantasy baseball, Jeff? <laughs> yeah. And we're still trying to figure out all these things and, and explore like our own bad habits and, and try to solve them. Yeah. So that's what but keeps that, us coming back for more. You know, the funny thing is we do develop habits throughout our career and we don't even realize it sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And our habits are all based on our experiences. So what happened to me with Kirby will influence my next decision on a big, probably on a big name free agent when it maybe necessary, maybe really shouldn't. Right. right? Because those should be more big picture things with more sample size than that, but we're human, right? Like Mm -hmm. look out the next time a pitching prospect comes up after missing out on Kirby. Like if I still have the funds, I will not oh. be denied. Well, and that's just the thing. You're going to react. You're going to make, create a new problem by reacting to the I old know. problem. I know. The next right? thing you know, I've had 400 on some pitching prospect. He makes two starts and he gets sent back down. Yeah. You're feeling pretty good about getting Taylor Ward in labor though. I guarantee you that. That was, that one went well. Stephen Kwan didn't go as well. That being said, he hasn't been terrible. I see that David mentioned here that he wished he didn't spend 150 on Kwan. I get that. That being said with Kwan, he's still hitting second in their lineup. He's got yeah. 19 runs scored. So he's still on pace to get, you know, 90 runs or so this right. year. He, he, he hasn't been great lately. I'll totally admit that, but he's still hitting 281 without a high Babbitt. Um, Yeah. He hasn't been good in May. At least he got a homer and a steal now. I don't know. I'm I'm not totally giving up on him yet. All right. Very good. I, I get maybe regretting spending 150 on him, but I'm not totally giving up on him yet. I, I agree. I actually agree. Yeah. And he's still hitting second in that lineup. That's not yeah. bad. That is yeah. not bad at all. Yeah. Uh Paul asks, I just gotta ask, is Fred sitting on a floor? Or is that house built for NBA players? Uh <laughs> yes, it is a gigantic house. No, uh, he is sitting on the floor. I am. I am. I'm comfortable down here always for our podcast, but having, having a house built for NBA players, living with a bunch of NBA players would probably be really, really fun. Yeah. I think you've put Eli white in our podcast outline, like every okay. week and I always ignore him. So I'm, I'm going to let you uh, opine on Eli white here before we sign off today. Uh, yeah. If you stay till the end, you got the good stuff. Um, yes. I got one share of Eli white in, uh, in fab on Sunday, I missed out on one and wasn't even close. So this is one where I was trying to kind of sneak him through cheap in some leagues. Uh, in one league, I bid 12 and he went for 92. So kudos to the guy who spent 92 
Like I, I wasn't going to a hundred. Um, so anyways, and in labor, I think I tried to sneak him through cheap. And I think Scott Pianowski got me on a tiebreaker on a, maybe my own fault for being cheap, but uh, steals are hard to come by. White already has eight of them. Yep. Which I don't think many people realize. Now that's because last week he went crazy. And I think he had four last week and he's already got one this week. So it kind of all came at once. Uh, I'm not sure if white is a good enough hitter to stay in the lineup. Like he's hitting 256 right now with a 370 Babbitt. So yeah. if that Babbitt comes down even 50 points, I don't know if he's a good enough hitter to stay in the lineup, but while he is in the lineup, he's been batting leadoff recently. Yeah. Uh, all those steals, it might be a chance for someone to just cheap, even if he doesn't stick as a full-time mm-hmm. player, if you could have him for three or four weeks and in those three or four weeks, he gets you six or seven steals. That would be really good for what, for what I, I think I got him for $5 in an NFBC league. So I think he's interesting as if for the right team, like that steals needy team. Yeah. I was kind of dismissive of him and I kind of wish I wasn't. Uh, So yeah. And he did run against Thor. So did Sam Huff yesterday. So, you know, everybody can run against Thor. Everybody can run against Thor. That doesn't really matter much, but him hitting leadoff is good. And that was a righty on righty. And they put him at leadoff maybe because they knew his speed would be the perfect, you know, foil for, uh, for Thor. He also isn't a total zero in power. So in his career is 289 at bats, he has seven homers. So, you know, project that out. He can maybe be like a 12 homer. Like he's kind of on a 12 homer pace if he played every day, all season. So yeah. he, he's not a power guy, but he's at least he's not a total zero for power. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And after and, this podcast, I'm going to update his projection accordingly. Yeah. I'm going to give him more playing time and uh, just give him a little bump because I was definitely, uh, I was too dismissive of him and, uh, I will, I will rectify that ill. Yeah. I, I think maybe the lesson with white too is if you can get them cheap is anyone who can produce an, a really good steals total. I don't mean like 12, but like this is someone who could produce, you know, 25 steals or, or more than that. Um, they're probably at, at least worth, if you can get them for nothing in fab, they're probably at least worth putting on your bench to see what happens with their playing time. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Want to hit a couple closing situations for a sign off here? Uh, yeah, sure. Good idea. Yep. All right. Actually, uh, let's start Marlins. Cause I'm interested in your thoughts on that one. And then maybe we'll dip into a couple that I had. Some you did that on, on purpose. So you I wouldn't sure have did. to answer the question. <laughs> answer <laughs> the question. Um, I, I, the answer is, I don't know. I thought there was still reason to hold on to Anthony Bender, but I think he came into today's game in the fifth inning. So he's pitching right now there in the sixth inning. So he is a drop for me now. I don't know who the, I don't know who the hold is. Maybe it's Dylan Floro. Floro did have got he got thumped hard in his first two outings. Did have a scoreless outing his last time out. Maybe he should be, uh, uh, you know, maybe he should be better then, uh, you know, in the next time around. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I don't really have a good handle on this uh, situation. You know, it it could be anybody really. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think Bender, like unless you're really stuck for saves, I think Bender could be a drop. Yeah, Floro looks. I mean, I know last time out he he threw like a scoreless inning, but man, he still hasn't struck out a batter. He's got three is that innings. bad? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, is that bad? Yeah, he still hasn't. He's faced sixteen batters, hasn't struck any of them out yet. Um, I throw out a name who I was kind of interested in the preseason, not for any real particular reason that I think the Marlins are interested in, but Cole Salser was decent as the Orioles closer last year at times. Like he had eight saves last year, two seventy ERA. This year he's a 314 ERA. He's not. He's nothing special this year, uh, or anything. But 
I don't think you have to be special to be at least considered. Now, I don't think that there's nothing from the Marlins that makes me think they're going to Cole Salser. But yeah. before he was traded, I thought he had a decent chance to be the Orioles closer with Bender kind of, you know, taking himself maybe a little bit out of contention for that job and Floro not looking good. They could go back to Bender. I don't know. If someone wanted to hold Bender for one more week, I wouldn't argue with them. Yeah. It's just that, you know, pitching the fifth inning today. I mean, that I feel yeah. like that takes him out. But see, yeah. Sulcer did get the next save chance that the Marlins did have after Bender blew one two weeks ago against uh, yep. the Arizona. That They went on a road trip to San Diego May 8th. Sulcer blew a save. It was a it gave up a walk-off, actually. Uh, they haven't had a save chance since. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really difficult. They might today, though. They're up one nothing. They're in the sixth inning in this one here. Uh, they just, in fact, they took out Bender and I believe that's, there's a lefty on the mound. I can't tell if that's Tanner Scott or somebody else. Okay. I will uh, get back to you on that one there. Um, I'm sure people are, are you know, waiting with bated breath on that, but, uh, it's, it's a lefty on the mound. Um, we'll, we'll find out as I keep talking. So, uh, another situation is, uh, the twins. Uh, a lot of people were, you, you mentioned this, a lot of people are on Juwan Duran, uh, they're not. I my my answer on the twins is the same as the race. There is not one guy. By the way, it's Okert in the game right now. Thank you, okay. Ryan Roof. Uh, he's quicker than my uh, my <laughs> navigating skills there. But uh, they, I, I think Minnesota is much like Seattle, much like Tampa Bay. Where if you try to keep saying who the guy is, you're going to be disappointed. There isn't just one guy. If you could roster any of them, is Duran still the guy you'd want to roster? I mean, I think he's better than Pagan, um, yep. but I think Pagan's trusted more frequently than Duran right now. It's a long season, though. We're still May. Um, yeah, I think I want Duran. Me too. Uh, just I, he could get you a lot more strikeouts, and if they're flexible with him, he could win a lot more games. You know, by pitching multiple innings in close games. But but I do. If I was going to handicap the race to lead the team in saves, I think I would put Pagan first. They, they seem pretty comfortable going to him. So they've already gone to him. He's got three saves so far in May, five this mm-hmm. year. Uh, two of those saves were one-run games, and one of them uh, was a two-run game. So, I mean, they're not even afraid to go to him in those one-run games. It's not like they're just, oh, whatever, we got a three-run lead today. We can throw it whoever. We'll, we'll put Pagan out there. So, And he's a more of a clear one-inning reliever than uh, than Duran is. So I could see Pagan leading the team in saves, but Duran being more valuable overall from a fantasy perspective. And I know Tyler Duffy got a save last night, but Pagan was unavailable. He had pitched, well, probably unavailable. He pitched two nights in a row, two yeah. days in a row. So um, Duffy's not someone who interests me. But they, it definitely seems like they don't, or at least they aren't right now, they aren't ready for Duran to get a real shot at the closer's job. So um, I, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I still want to, I still would like to have him rostered but I got to back off saying that he could be, you know, like a Agreed. top 10 or 15 reliever. Agreed. Uh, Hansel Robles now leads the Red Sox with two, two saves. Two. First guy to get two for Boston so far. That's a combination of just their crappy bullpen and also the fact they've only won like 14 games. They're not going to get a save today, by the way. It'll it'll be a miracle if they get a save. Uh, <laughs> Houston just hit another home run. Kyle Tucker grand slam. Okay. So 13 to three in that one. And I know you have some Tucker in your life, so you're pretty happy yep. about that. You have them in friends and family. Is that where you have them? No, I have them in an NFBC super. So oh, that's that a super. valuable one. Yeah. yeah. Where I didn't get George Kirby. Not that we're bringing that up again. No, uh, we never bring that up. Anyways, uh, Robles is pitching way over his head. 
I'm not that confident in him. Uh, he has a 10 to six strikeout to walk ratio in 14 in the third innings. That is not closer worthy. His FIPS up close to five, his XERA is something like six and a half or something like he could maybe get some more saves just because there's nothing else really going. Like there's no one else really taking that job, but I don't think he can hold it. Let's, it's a assuming arguendo that there will be saves worth chasing for Boston. Mm-hmm. Who's the guy you want to chase on this team? <sighs> Um, well, now I'm going to go back and say, am I going to go back and say Robles? Um, I guess. So to put this in perspective, I would rather own Pagan, uh, Duran, um, who else have we already, oh, I'll take my shots even at the Marlins guys first. I think I would own Bender or Floro. I think I would probably own them over. Hansel Robles right now. You kind of dodged the question there. I don't know. Oh. Okay, well, I'll say Robles. Because <laughs> I'm you once I time. said that, I, what I was getting, I guess my point is once I would rather have Dylan Floro on my bench, then I guess it, I guess I'm going none of the above. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Roof, who does our closer encounters, manages our closer grid, says he's going to dive deep on the Red Sox pen in his next edition. So there you go. Uh, maybe we'll have a better answer there. And honestly, I don't have an answer. It's, it's not Ryan Brazier. I know that. Uh, Matt Barnes seems to lose velocity every time out. Every time he does, he gets like one good outing, one bad outing. Uh, bullpen's like blown nine save opportunities. Now, blown saves are kind of a deceptive stat because you can get a blown save in the seventh inning. It's not yeah. really a save opportunity. It's just you blew a lead. Uh, they blown nine leads. How about that? Um, and I think that's a, a fairer stat. Um, there should be a new stat. They should divide that set up. Like blown saves should be. There should be blown leads as a stat and blown saves should be blown leads in the ninth inning or later, but yeah. whatever. I don't, I'm I don't just... run major league baseball. Matt Stram's pitched really well for them this year. I don't, they don't seem that he has one save. They don't seem that inclined to really make him the closer, but uh, he, he's, he's pitched better than everyone else we've talked about. Yeah. Barnes. I was just looking at some of the details on him and yeek. I oh know. my gosh. He, he's gone. Yeah. He's lost almost two miles an hour on his fastball. His K percentage dropped from 38% last year to 16.4 this year. Swinging strike percentage is 9.4%. Need I go on? No, I don't need to go on. Let's move on from him uh, because you should move on from him. I thought Deekman was a nice little signing, yep. but yeah, it's not really worked out. He is get, he has have strikeouts at least, but nine walks and 11 and a thirds and 11 and a third. And if you watch him, if you watch Deekman, he doesn't want to throw his fastball. He just nibbles and nibbles and nibbles. It's not fun at all. Yeah, uh, I think it's certain not appearing in this film so far. Maybe some of the the lesser names in the back end of that bullpen, like Danish or Davis, or maybe they'll find we'll find someone. I'm I'm just like spitballing now names here. I'm not even mm-hmm. looking at uh, possibilities, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's pretty ugly as far as that goes. As far as far as that bullpen goes, so we'll see. But I don't I don't like it whatsoever. Uh, one last bullpen, uh, the Giants, Camilo Duvall, six of the last nine Giants saves. I mean, Jake McGee's on the IL. I, Duvall's look pretty darn good. I, I'm all, I'm in, I'm in on Duvall now if I had a chance to be. 100%. He, he's the guy, I think. Like, like you said, like McGee's kind of out of the picture. Um, Duvall's control skills aren't great. That's okay. Like it's not, he's not a top tier closer because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Giants win plenty of games. Um, he, he, with his strikeout rate, he can be the closer. Is he going to have the odd time where, you know, he walks two batters and it's really frustrating or he walks the lead off, man, he comes around to score and it's frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why he's not a top tier closer, but I think he's a mid tier closer. 
and mid-tier closer in this this landscape means like the 10th yep. or 12th closer because there only are like 20. 100% agree. 100%. Yeah. Um, we'll close on that note. Um, unless you got anything else to add. Anything uh, you're working on that you want to let people know about on Yahoo? Um, well, I mentioned I'm going to have that article Thursday on the luckiest players so far this season. Um, tomorrow, some players uh, who have struggled mightily in May and you might be able to buy low on because I find that people don't know much. We talk about this sometimes on this podcast. We don't know much about players sometimes where we don't keep up the day-to-day minutia of players who we have no shares right. of, but the players who we have a lot of shares of, you really notice. So for example, could you sweep in tomorrow and get Nathan Eovaldi on the cheap? So yeah. some names in that. It won't be expensive. Maybe I'll add, you know maybe I will add Eovaldi to that article overnight. There you go. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Uh, that is going to finish it up for us today. Uh, good stuff. Thanks everybody for jumping in. By the way, Ryan Roof says John Schreiber is the name, the deep name in Boston, the Boston okay. Open. You, you want to keep an eye on. So uh, I will do a I will do a dive into Schreiber after this podcast, and we'll I'll, I'll learn about him a little bit more. Uh, thanks to everybody just chiming in. Really do appreciate it. I love the interaction. Uh, we got uh, James Anderson tomorrow with the Prospect Pod. Uh, thanks for locking in here with Rotowire. Take care. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.